Good morning, everyone. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you this morning. I pray that only your name will be glorified through this worship. And I ask you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help us to understand today's teaching. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, during the month of March, we'll be studying the book of Ephesians. For the next four weeks, including today, we'll be looking at nothing but Ephesians. Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the people in Ephesus, and that became the book of Ephesians, which we'll be studying today. That's a picture, a painting of uh, Ephesus. Uh, it was a part of the Roman Empire uh, about 2,000 years ago, and it was one of the largest city in Roman Empire. Uh, they estimate that quarter million to 300,000 people lived in the city. It was a very economically prosperous city, and also at the same time, it had a lot of idol worshiping going on. Paul visited twice, and he studied early church in that city. This is the, one of the theater they had back then. Now it's all damaged. But back then, it was one of the largest theater. Even by today's standard, you can see it, it's pretty large. Uh, you can see it about 25,000 to, uh, 25, to 30,000 people. And so even now, it is pretty large. All now is remaining is the robbers, and this is a very famous idol-worshipping temple named the Temple of Diana. It is uh, one of the seven wonders of ancient uh, world. Now, if you wanted to, you can go to the place and visit the place. It is a very popular uh, tourist attraction. So today, starting with uh, week one, the, today's teaching title is called the Cornerstone, and I'll be covering chapter one, two, three. And next week, we'll be looking at chapter four. It'll be taught by David Silk. And then following week, we'll look at the chapter five. And the following week, we'll finish the book of Ephesians by covering chapter six. So, uh, during that time, the months of uh, March, I encourage you to read the book of Ephesians so you can understand more. It is a good opportunity to read this book. Even if you read before many times, it doesn't hurt anyone if you read twice or three times. I also encourage you to invite or e-bite your friends or neighbors or co-workers so we can all study this together. You can read this during your quiet time or any time you want. And as I said, if you read once, it doesn't hurt. Read more. I personally think I read many, many times over. I also encourage you to read the different versions of the Bible. If you go to uh, BibleGateway.com, which is a free site, 
They have about 55 different English translations. Best part of that site is it's free. So you can pick and choose anything you want. NIV, New King James, or King James Version, or CEV, or Message Bible. There are 55 of them. So, today, we'll be starting chapter 1, 2, 3. Apostle Paul wrote 13 different letters, and all of them became the part of the New Testament. And among 13 books, or 13 letters, he wrote four letters while he was inside prison. He was inside prison for two years, and while he was there, he wrote this. And here among the four is Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, which was sent to the churches in those different places. And he also wrote one letter that was personal letter, which is a very short book, Philemon. There was a personal letter addressed to the person named Philemon, talking about one particular slave. But today we're going to talk about Ephesians. While Paul was in prison for two years, he wrote this. And when he was in prison, he was already quite old, and it was written between AD 60 and 62, and he passed away in AD 67. So soon after he wrote this, he didn't live that long. While he was inside a prison, he wasn't sure whether he'd ever get out of the prison. So what he wrote was very important and benefit to us because we can learn so much. To him, the people in Ephesus, people, Ephesians, they were like his children or babies. And he cared for them. So not knowing whether he'll ever get out of prison, when he wrote six chapters of these letters, he wrote very important things and things that were very relevant he didn't joke around. He didn't write stories. Everything in that book or letter was very important. So we can call it essence of Christianity. There's two things that comes up when you read the book of Ephesians. It's a strengthen and encourage. That's what he did. He wanted to strengthen the Christians in Ephesus spiritually. He also want to encourage them to become more mature Christians. So this letter is about two Christians encouraging them to mature more. So as you read this book, you as a Christian will be also encouraged and also mature spiritually. So it's a very small book, only six chapters, but it has a, such an important compact, very important essence of Christianity. Ephesus used to be part of the Roman Empire, but now is Turkey. It is located on the west coast of the Turkey, and it, as I said, it was a very economically prosperous and very vibrant uh, locations. And uh, we all know about the seven churches. Well, Ephesus was one of them, and all seven churches are located right around that area. And this is very important because from that church, the gospel, 
the good news moved out to the east. And that's what God wanted to do. And that was the mission of Apostle Paul, sending the good news to the people like us. Not the Jewish people, but foreigners, Gentiles. Apostle Peter was assigned to share the gospel with the Jewish people, but P uh, Paul was assigned with sharing gospel with foreigners, Gentiles like us. Romans were able to put him in prison, but they were not able to put gospel inside a prison. As I said, but they could not imprison the spread of good news. So today we're going to cover uh, chapter 1, 2, 3, and from each chapter we're going to talk about essence, the important thing. This is not everything. This is the, some of the important things from each chapter. So you can go back and read and find more. So we're going to talk about the spiritual blessings, and chapter 2, cornerstone, and chapter 3, God's secret plan that's revealed in chapter 3. You'll be interested to know what was God's secret plan. Well, in chapter 3, he reveals it. And we're gonna, I'm going to try to show in graphic uh, matters. So let's start with the spiritual blessing. So what does spiritual blessing that was in chapter 1 that's so important that Apostle Paul has to write in the introduction of his letter? This is, the, this is a very important uh, uh, blessing because it is a spiritual blessing. Let's read the verse 3. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in our union with Christ, He has blessed us, giving us every spiritual blessings in the heavenly world. The important thing to notice is every. Here, which I'm going to show you in a few seconds, here he listed all six spiritual blessings that he gave to us when we become Christian. So me and everyone who, be, who accepted Jesus here, when we became Christian, we all received as a package the six blessings that is with us. And Paul wanted to remind the people, this is what you have. This is what kind of people you are. So from prison, he was trying to encourage them. And before I show you the sixth blessing, uh, Greek word, which was written back then, the blessing means good things for our benefit. So what he gave us to us as an initial package was good things, good things to benefit our lives. And let's look at the sixth blessing he listed. Uh, and this is all six blessings that is listed in chapter 1. We're going to look at just three of them. The first one is being chosen by God. And the second is adopted as God's children. And three is receiving salvation. And number four is he revealed the secret plan to us, which we're going to talk about. And chapter five is receiving inheritance. Yes. I don't think it's about the money, but it is a inheritance, which you'll find out more. And number six is receiving Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to choose only three, and the rest you can read more, but let me go to the uh, first one. Chosen by God. What does that mean? 
chosen by God. It comes from uh, verse 4 to 5. Let me just read the first line. Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us. So what does that mean? When whoever became the uh, Christian or the accepted Jesus, even before we became Christian, he already selected us. Even before he created earth. Even before he actually created earth, he actually selected you and me to become a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Even before he created the other planet, he already knew who he going to choose. Even before he created the sun, he already knew. I met a gentleman I used to work with. Uh, this was almost 26 years ago. He was uh, 10 years older than me, and he was an electrical engineer. I was having lunch with him, and I knew he was Christian, but I never knew that the, how he became Christian. So he told me, then, that's my name, then, then, he was a tough guy. You know, when I found out that I was chosen, I don't know how many years ago, before he created this world, he already chose me to become his children. And he, it, that just struck him. And he said, that's how he became Christian. He received Jesus. I still remember that because he was uh, almost teary. He said, that's how I became Christian. He selected me before the earth and universe. That's what Apostle Paul is trying to say here. People in Ephesus, you are special people. God selected you even before Ephesus was created or even this world was created. So that's the first thing he said to them. You are special people. Just like you here. You are special too because he selected you guys before he created this world. The other thing he talks about is blessing of salvation. Okay, you might have heard this many times, but let me repeat. This is what Apostle Paul reminded them. In verse 7, he said, For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. For those of you who accepted Jesus already, you might say, well, yeah, I know that. But let me just remind you, just as Apostle Paul was trying to remind people in Ephesus. You know, I met a gentleman, he was, uh, I was a 30-something, I think he was about 60. I went to his home to share the good news. I knew he didn't accept the Jesus, but he was a church-going person. So, uh, Mr. Lee, uh, have you accepted Jesus? He said, uh, no, I have to work on it more. I said, what do you mean? Well, I don't give enough to the church. Okay. So you think that you haven't given enough to church to become a Christian? And also, uh, I haven't done any volunteer work. I'm busy all the time. So because of those things, you think 
You have not accepted Jesus? Yeah, isn't that the thing you have to do? You have to be working hard for the church, give money, and you have to diligently add the things in the church ministries. I mean, he's been going to church for many, many years, and he, has, he was misunderstanding something. So I told him, the only way you can receive Jesus as your Savior is not giving money to church. It's not working for the church ministry, which is good. It's not going to the church every Sunday without missing. No, those are good things, but that's not the reason. He said, what do you mean? The only way you can accept Jesus is by believing that he died on the cross for our sin. He shed the blood. And that makes us sin-free. And if you believe that, that's how you accept Jesus. Uh, wait a minute. Are you saying that that's the only thing that requires to become a born-again Christians? Yes, that's the only key. You can open the door. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And by believing that, we can go to heaven and have eternal life. He said, really? So, even to you guys, that's the only thing that requires. There are many things that is involved with going to church, coming to church, and studying the Bible, but only thing that requires to accept Jesus, become born a Christian, receive a salvation, is believing that he died on the cross. And that's what Apostle Paul was reminding them, just like I'm reminding you here now, or many other pastors was reminding same thing to others. That's the only thing that is required. No, it's not complicated. So, blood of Jesus, he was reminding. Third one, this is the last one, last of the six, Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, verse 13 talks about this. A seal. What is a seal? Which I talk about more. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, let's talk about the seal a little bit more. What is a seal? Uh, seal is like a stamp or seal is like symbolizing something, agreement. If you look at the different versions of Bible, you can go to uh, BibleGateway.com, they are free. Uh, different versions talk about different things. Uh, NIV says seal. Uh, Good News Bible said stamp of ownership. I cannot see where. <laughs> and the Message Bible said signet from God. And the NABRE version said first instrument. I have a, the ring here. This is my wedding ring. So whenever Carl sees my ring, he knows that I'm married. And those of you who know me, I'm married to Susan. Okay, this is signet, symbol, or seal, or stamp that I'm a Christian. So when we became Christian, when we became born and Christian, God gave us seal, and that is Holy Spirit. Now why is it that important? Holy Spirit does, a, among many things, 
twelve different things, and first thing he does is he's a teacher. So having a teacher for us is very important because we have nothing to do with Christianity at the beginning, and Holy Spirit teaches us everything. So he gave us seal, first instrument. What is the first instrument? Among many other things that he's going to give to us, Holy Spirit is the first thing he gave to us. So Paul was reminding people, this is what you have. You know, I have a story to tell you about this too. There's a gentleman, his name is Ashok. He, he works for the Comcast. He's a computer programmer. He's really good. And uh, these days, you can't really say you're a Christian everywhere, especially at the workplace. Sometimes you cannot. So he didn't say anything about the fact that he's Christian. And he's Indian. One day, his boss called him, Ashok. I'd like to assign you to this project to work with this guy. And I think that uh, you are holier than us. So I think you can work with this guy because other guys will try to kill him. So work with him. So Ashok said, how do you know I'm holier? I never told you that I'm a Christian. I never shared my faith. And his boss said this. Well, Ashok, you never said anything about that, but by just looking at you, you can tell the way you conduct yourself the way you go about your work habits, the way you relate to other people, I can tell you're a Christian. How do they know? Don't underestimate God who lives inside us. Holy Spirit is Spirit of God. He can come out as much as we allow him to come out. If you don't allow him, he'll be very quiet. But if you show through your life, show through your behavior, show through your life of the Christian, he will come out. And others can see you. Spirit of God is living in us. What does being a light and salt mean? Being a light doesn't mean you, you flesh the fresh light. Well, being a salt doesn't mean you spray the salt. Without doing any of those things, if you let him, lies will come out. Salt is going to come out through you, and other people can see. One of the best ways to converting Muslim in Muslim country this day is not Bible, even though that could. If you interview the Muslim people who became Christian or Hindu who became Christian these days, you ask them, so uh, tell us. I know you didn't come to church, but how did you how did you decide to become a Christian? Well, we've been watching you guys. Something is there in you that that made me to come and become part of you guys. It's a light and salt. So, when we allow, it comes out. So, Paul was reminding people in Ephesus, that's what you have. That's the kind of people you are. So, even though I'm not with you, I'm in prison, care for each other, love each other, because you guys are special, and that's what Paul was talking about. Let's go to Cornerstone.
And uh, I know you guys heard about cornerstone. In Korean, it's called Juchukdol. Okay. What is cornerstone? And by the way, this is very important. And that's why it's the title of today's teaching. What is cornerstone? So I'm going to talk about the what is cornerstone, why is it important, and what does it mean biblically? Okay, cornerstone. So cornerstone is stone at the corner of building. Okay, that doesn't explain everything, right? As you can see on the drawing, it's a darker colored stone at the corner of the building. Why is it so important? Why does the Bible talk about this? Why some church named their church Cornerstone Church? Well, you are about to find out. Okay, this is the, everyone knows what this is. This is U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Did you know if you go to the southeast corner, underground, there's one cornerstone. That's such a huge building, started with one stone. And here is the painting. Back then, there was no picture. So this is the uh, September 18, 1793. George Washington, president, second term, he was attending ceremony, laying down the stone for building U.S. Capitol building. You see that uh, the circle? That's a cornerstone. It's not huge, it's tiny. But they have to lay that in order to start the building. Why is it that important? See, cornerstone is the first stone you lay when you build the building. It is important because it becomes the reference line. From that stone, you measure the angle. You measure the distance. You measure the height. Without cornerstone, you cannot do any of those. So cornerstone is very important. And the, the Bible verse in Isaiah actually talks about this. So Bible verse comes from Isaiah 28, and you can read this on your own. It actually talks about the, even before Jesus coming in the book of Isaiah, talking about Jesus becoming cornerstone and using him as a reference line and the plumb line. Plumb line is line that they put on the vertically in order to measure the vertical distance. Okay. Now, this is the today's main verse. And let me just summarize this a little bit, make it shorter. So number one, God is building a home, using the apostles and prophets for the foundation. And I'll show you this in a few minutes, uh, in maybe one minute, the graphically. But number two, he is using you, me and you, Brick by brick, and Christ as cornerstone. And Christ will be holding everything together. And number three, holy temple built by God. And inside that holy temple, God is quite at home. So this could be confusing. So let me show you in graph. It's a blank piece of paper. Okay, this is the cornerstone. It's Jesus. He's a cornerstone. It comes from the chapter 2, verse 21. So you put the line, and then you put the other stone right next to it, and they are the apostles and prophets, according to the, the book. So you put more stone. So this is the foundation of the building. And you put the second line, which is a plumb line. And then brick by brick. And who are the brick? It's us. God is building something. 
And some of you might guess already what this is. He's building church. This is how he's building church, everyone. Jesus as cornerstone, and the prophet and apostles as foundation stone, and us, you and me, as a brick. And he's going to put one by one, and those are you and me, and he's bring, being, uh, being, building church. You see how tightly we are connected to each other? This is the church, body of Christ. And, the, and, the, and you see how important the cornerstone is now. And inside the church temple, God wants to stay inside. Different versions of the Bible talk about differently. Message version says, a temple in which God is quite at home. And IV version said, a dwelling place, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the church. So on your outline, you can put Jesus as cornerstone. All of us, you and me, built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And what he's building, that's called a church. So, you see the small bricks, that's different color. Okay, that's going to come in handy now, soon. And what I want to point out is that when God said, love one another, how could you not love one another? How could you not care one another when we are all part of this building brick next to each other? Can you imagine if one of these bricks came out? You see, there's a problem with the building, right? For that church building to be intact together, we need each other, part of the body. Let's, let me go to the three. The what is God's secret plan that he is revealing? Okay. He talks about it in chapter 3. God revealed his secret plan and made it known to me. That is the Apostle Paul. And also he said, we are members of the same body. Okay, so what is the answer? We are included in the secret plan. And let me show you a little bit more what that means. Okay, we just saw the picture. 2,000 years ago, this is when Paul was speaking. Jewish people thought they are the only God's chosen people. Of course, we all know that it's not the case. But back then, people thought that's the case. So what Paul was saying is, no, God decided it's going to be Jewish Christian plus other Christian like you and me. So what initially the old brick was the same color, but now it's a different colors. That was the secret plan God had, and he revealed to the apostles. As I said, to you and me now, 2,000 years later, okay, but 2,000 years ago, that was a big day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance to worship you here, Father. And also, thank you for giving us a chance to study the book of Ephesians, Father. I just pray that you help us by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can understand 
as we read the book of Ephesians for the next three weeks. Without your help, we cannot understand. So I ask you, we ask you to help us so that we can understand and make that part of us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.